Welcome to today's Spiritual Business Spotlight podcast, brought to you by Sue Ellis Soller and Spiritual Business Spotlight. If you'd like to get your spiritually-based business into the spotlight, click on the link in the show notes below. Now let's get started with today's interview. Hey everybody, this is Sue Ellis Soller from Spiritual Business Spotlight, and today I'm really, really excited because I am speaking with Ari Powell Huber, and she is a, let me say this right, a creatrix transformologist. So, hey, Ari, welcome, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. After we we got through the Mercury retrograde um, business here, and yeah, so tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do and yeah okay um so um as you said I'm a creatrix transformologist and um I'm also and a mindset mentor so um what that means because a lot of people go oh uh-huh okay right um <laughs> all it means really is that I'm I'm licensed in a very specific process called creatrix um and it is a female specific process that's designed to help women um, transform their limiting beliefs and blocks and release those so that they can move into new positive beliefs about themselves so they can like be awesome basically um, and I also um, help mentor um, women around their mindset um, and just really helping them to develop strategies and techniques um, helping them to see the situation um, that they're dealing with for what it is um, and just sort of moving them through that so they can kind of um, really transform their lives. Um, that's really the, the passion that I have around, um, you know, helping women and why I'm so passionate about the transformation side of things is because my, of my own story of going through so much transformation myself um, and really transformation in the space of challenges and, and what that can do for us and the fact that we do need to transform and change when we hit those big challenges um, and how to overcome those in our lives. And so I'm very passionate about supporting women because life isn't a straight line and things aren't always simple or easy. Um, and so I kind of help, well, I don't kind of, I do help them in that space. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's definitely what people, women especially, need these days is just somebody to reach out to and get support and somebody who's, like, kind of neutral, who doesn't have any kind of, you know, um, end game in the helping. So really with the eye on what the woman needs rather than what this person needs or that person needs or the other person. That's probably why the woman is facing challenges to begin with yeah absolutely and I think that you've absolutely hit hit the nail on the head with that one because um I think a a lot of the women that I work with and and the new kind of direction I'm I'm kind of slightly going in a different direction like sort of the same thing that I'm doing but and it's all about the emerging woman and that is a a space that I'm, I'm getting really excited about because I see a lot of women and I mean I've just turned 40 and I see a lot of my peers and they're really challenged and struggling, whether it's through career change or um, marital breakdown or just a new kind of perspective where they sort of realise 
you know, is this really who I am? Is this really what I want? Um, and that can be a very confronting time where they are really redefining who they are and redefining what is authentically them or discovering even that, wow, I've kind of been playing a role my whole life um, and ignoring who I really am that whole time and suppressing who I am that whole time. And that can be very confronting. And it's hard to get support because the people around you unconsciously have a vested interest in keeping you where you are. You know, your partner's not necessarily going to be supported because their own fears around the relationship might come up. You know, even if you've got adult children, they're not necessarily going to be supported because their own, but hang on, but you're my mum and you're like this, not like <laughs> something else. Um, you know, your parents, like work colleagues, friends, they all unconsciously have a role that you play and by you redefining that role, it's a threat um, and they're not even conscious of that. And if you ask them directly, they'll be like, oh, my God, I'm so supportive of you. But what actually comes through isn't really always the, that, that support. So, yes, for a woman who's emerging, for a woman who's rediscovering and reconnecting, having someone who is like, I don't care how you redefine yourself, that's none of my business. All I'm concerned about is that you redefine it in a way that you love, that connects you to your joy and your passion and, and your pleasure and, and fulfilment of life. And that will look different for everyone. And I honestly don't have um, a sort of a vested interest in what that might look like. So it, it does help then to support women that way. Right. So your vested interest is in the woman emerging and feeling happy and comfortable with what she's created for herself rather than manipulating in a specific manner. Yeah. Now, you said this is a, a, like a distinct program that has, you know, kind of, um, it's not like open coaching or something like that where you have a procedure that you work with. Or um, so it, it depends. Um, some, it, it, it depends on, it depends on, every, like each person is different and what each woman needs is different and what's holding them back um, will vary from person to person. So um, so I'm always a bit um, reticent to kind of say, oh, this is how I'll work with you. Um, some women, creatrix is the thing that's going to get them there because they, I mean, I believe every woman has it within themselves. You have the answers within you, you have the knowledge within you. No one tells you how to get there, though. Like, no one tells you how to tap into that. They sit there and go, oh, the answers are within you. And you're like, that's great. Can you tell me how to get there? Because it's not coming. <laughs> it's not coming through me. So, um, and there's ways to tap into your intuition and there's, there's lots of things that we can do around that. And some people are more tuned in than others. Um, but Creatrix really does um, go through really stripping away, like, all of the blocks and beliefs that are making it hard to make decisions, that are making it hard to do the thing that we know deep down we need to do. Um, it's, it's all of that stuff that, that we, we kind of then have this internal battle with. And so Creatrix really just peels all of that back, gives you a completely clean slate so that you can start taking actions and making decisions for your highest good based on what is the absolute best for you, not with all of the conflicting what ifs and buts that, that we carry with us from everyone else and society and, and you know, our, our upbringing and all of that. 
Um, so that can sometimes be just the key that some women need. Um, other women need that um, sort of gentle handholding through unpacking experiences as they're having them and that's where the mentoring comes through um, in that space. I tend to reserve my mentoring program though for my VIPs because I have a I, I personally believe that Creatrix is the best result that you're going to get. And the mentoring comes after you've cleared everything away. So you know it's it's hard to kind of mentor and coach someone through something if you're fighting against their blocks. But if they're right. clear of those blocks and beliefs. And then they're going through these experiences and they're like, oh, this is where, then it's like, okay, it's a very gentle mentoring pro process instead of this um, almost conflict, almost kind of like having to draw them out and pull them along. Um, no one likes that. It doesn't feel good. Um, so there's a much nicer, gentler way of doing it. Um, and then I do have a program for women who they're kind of not really ready for that one-on-one -on -one um, stuff. It's it's just too confronting for them. It's just too much from where they're at. And that is my goal-getting formula for heart-centered women. It's a six-week program. Um, yes, it sort of focuses around goals, but it, it really is very much like, like what your life goal is, how you want your life to be. And so it looks at values and blocks and beliefs that are holding you back. It looks at ways for you to create that vision for your life. Um, and it's it's been like an easier sort of softer introduction to transformation um, for women who really they're not quite sure what they're wanting or what they're getting themselves into, but they know that something needs to happen. So that's a nice entry point for them as well. Um, but yeah, the the new thing that I've got coming oh, up. What oh, what are you doing? Oh, excited! Is very much it, it's it's about the emerging woman. Um, and so I have a, a five-day challenge that I'm um, coming up uh, end of this week, um, start of next week, uh, is called She Is Emerging. And it's, it's a five-day challenge. It's just really about supporting women who are in that transformation space where they're going through a lot of change. They know they're going through a lot of change, but they don't feel like they're on the other end of it yet. Or, or they're kind of at that end, but they haven't quite stepped out, you know, that kind of. I'm here I am, new me kind of thing. And um, so it's about that kind of helping them um, come through that space and giving them some, some techniques and ideas and practices that they can do that will help ease that process of, of the emerging. So, yeah, that's my, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I saw that and I shared it today and it was, I'm really excited to see that as well because this is something that a lot of women need help with you know um they're just struggling with being in that role of mother or daughter or wife and and they've forgotten totally who they are and like you said though I mean some of the stuff is really you have to have the right amount of push and comfort during that time that they're going through these experiences so that they can actually not run away, you know, from the process because that's probably what they've been doing all along. Well, absolutely. And, and it's a confronting process. Like it's, it's, it's not to sort of shame women going through that, like, oh, you know, you need a good kick up the butt kind of thing. It's like it's a very understandable 
um, confrontation that goes in internal confrontation where it's, it's unsettling and you start to question everything that's come before and you start to question everything that you kind of have envisioned for the future and so it's a very dis, you know, disconcerting space to be in. And our natural instincts as humans is to go where it's comfortable, where it's safe, where, like, I know this. And we know that. We know that we see people, we've done it ourselves, where we've stayed in a situation that is not the best for us because the fear around the unknown of the new situation to step into is greater. Right. And, and it's not until we get into that space, we're like, oh, I don't know why I stayed so long in this old situation. And, and But... It makes a lot of sense. And when we think about, um, you know, the epigenetics of emotion that we have, you know, actually this morning I was reading an article that showing, you know, 14 generations of epigenetic um, transference mm-hmm. of behaviour and, and things like that. So we know that um, we inherit beliefs and behaviours that are based on experiences 14 generations before us. So, you know, back in the day when... You know, if you challenged the role that you've been put into and you, you know, defied the societal rules, you could be burnt at the stake. You could be put out on an ice floe and eaten by bears. Like, you, it was a dangerous act. It was, a, you know, unreasonable to be fearful of it. Um, it's just that these days <laughs> we don't do those things. <laughs> so you're kind of okay. But your body doesn't know that. Right. And so when we get that really visceral feeling when we're like, this doesn't feel safe, this feels really scary, that's that hangover feeling from generations past. It, it, it is actually understandable. It feels irrational because of our current context, but it actually is very rational when you think about when that belief, when that fear, when that thing that's stopping you was actually first developed a very life-preserving thing. So struggling with that is, is reasonable. And so that's why women need support with it because it's not, it's not that straightforward. It's not as simple to just think a different thought. It's not that simple to just, like, just change, like, just move, just quit your job, just do this thing. Like, that, that kind of dismissiveness that is out there, we just do this decision, just make this decision, just, just commit. Like, all you have to do is just commit. And it's like... There's no just about it. There's there's a lot of under the layers going on that we're not even aware of. Oh yeah. Well, and the whole thing too is no no woman is an island. No man is an island. <laughs> they say no woman, but really, I mean, we thrive on getting help from other people, and a lot of times we just need somebody. Sometimes, you know, which within the coaching paradigm. You just need to say the, these things out loud and have somebody, you know, witness or hold space for you. And yes. it's a lost art for real. Or other people are just too close to be able to fully hold that space without getting defensive or, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the thing. You can have the most um, supporting friend or family member, but if you want to talk about something that directly affects them, it's really hard to do it and be completely open and, and honest without mm-hmm. constantly checking yourself as to how this is going to be perceived. That's a very hard filter to run everything through before you can 
talk it out. Um, whereas if you can explain it to someone, they don't know the person, they don't harbour any particular feeling, then you can do it openly and, and you can, as you say, like I know myself personally, I process um, best when I can speak something out loud. So I can sit and think about something forever and a day and it kind of ends up getting quite messy and it's not until I can just have a bit of a rant at someone and go, well, it's kind of like this and da, 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 da. and the next thing I know I'm like, oh, actually it's like this and I can really, you know, hone in on that. But until I can kind of talk around the ideas and play it out and it's this but it's not this and it's that but it's not that and really going through turning it over that I can actually get to that idea. And I think a lot of people are like that. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it needs having that space to really openly explore who we are and what that means and what the consequences of that is in a way that doesn't freak everyone out. Right. <laughs> it's a really important thing, especially for the emerging woman because I think, I mean, men men feel this too. It's, it's not to say that they don't, but I think as women we do feel our roles so heavily um, that they can become quite burdensome. I know for myself, like I, I went through a very um, difficult time around you know, motherhood and being a wife and being um, a daughter and I'm a teacher as well, so my professional role and your friendships and, and what the expectations that come with those are and not just the expectations of people immediately affected but just the societal expectations as well. Like if you behave in a certain way, how will people judge you um, as a mother? And it's 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 a burden like it can feel really heavy um there was recently a very controversial cartoon um released in australia um where it had a woman a young woman on her phone pushing a pram and the baby had fallen out of the pram and and the cartoonist had written a little poem from the baby's perspective basically saying you know i wish that my mummy would actually pay attention to me kind of thing and it was a very controversial um cartoon because a lot of people like we're kind of sick to death as mothers being judged in a split moment like Mm. in that moment and I've done it myself where I've been at the the park I've been playing with the kids all morning I'm done I've literally gone to the park because I'm like okay just go on a slide and leave mummy alone kind of thing like I'm done and and I, I a couple of times I've gone to pick up my phone to check some work emails, to post something on social media for my business. And as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, who's watching me? What are they thinking about me? Like, and I'm, you know, I'm a big enough person that I can be like, I don't care, like whatever. But I know that not everyone feels that way and it's hard. It's a burden that we carry and, and to shed that burden and go, you know what, I'm living my life. It's fulfilling, it's purposeful, it's passionate, it's joyful and it's me at the centre and, yes, I dip into my roles but it's actually me that's the thing, that's a it, that's an act of rebellion for a lot of women. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're taught that, you know, our most important thing is to be a mother and to be totally 100% focused on our children at all times and if we're not, you know, and it's just snowballed. I mean, I think... I was looking at something in the 80s. They were like, if your kid got food once a day, it was a great thing. 
And now, you know, it's helicopter parenting, which I know I've been, yeah. And, and you really kind of run yourself ragged because one moment you're helicopter parenting and then, and then everything switches and you're supposed to be free range parenting. And then, well, God, if you take a day for yourself, you know, you know, and, and I think a lot of times it's just really being able to say, okay, it's okay. Like you said, to check your, like, it's okay to be fed up with your kids. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's okay that, you know, to be overwhelmed. Like if I have to do another load of laundry, you know, I want a cannon and I want to stuff all the laundry into the cannon and be like, you know. Yep. That's it. I'm burning it out in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Who needs clothes? We're going to go into it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you, and they, they put on the clothes and you're like, damn it, they're wearing them. Now I'm going to have to wash them again. Like, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. 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 What? I should just put those on. Or, yeah, I oh, love that jelly spilled brand new shirt my kids are great with going through towels because they love having baths and showers which is like awesome because I don't have to have the whole bathroom bathing fight but they love it so much and they just a new towel and so and then and they just once they're done they're just like they kind of chuck it over their shoulder they're like so I'll be I'm like dude it's up your towel and oh oh sorry but with the three-year-old it's a little trickier and yeah, I'm just like, I feel like I'm forever washing towels. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, and it's it's really one of those things where, like you said, all of these generations before us have, you know, kind of reacted in this way. And it wasn't safe in a yeah. lot of occasions. And even in today's society, it's much harder for a woman to to make really big fundamental changes in her life and you know, and not lose out on money or if she ends up divorcing to not, you know, to have to like go through the whole court battle and, and mm. like that. And a lot of times too, you know, the lead up to that point and then the time after that is something where the woman will definitely need that support to say you're doing what's right for you and you can't back down and give over everything just to be the nice person or just because you are not in it for that. Because women are just usually the parties that give everything away and then end up with nothing. So, yeah. yeah. So I Yeah, think- absolutely. A friend of mine's just recently going through um, just that. And we had a couple of conversations. She's a colleague, so we had a couple of conversations every now and then. She's like, oh, I think I'll just let them have this thing because it'll just be easier. And I was like, look, it's not about being petty and mean. It's about getting what is equally yours, like your fair share. Right. She's like, oh, but, you know, and I was like, look, like I said, I know what you're trying to do and I know you're trying to be nice. I don't think it's the right thing to do. Well, about a month or so later, it came back that, oh, yeah, he's, re- he's really, he's trying to screw me for everything and he's taking advantage of that stuff. And I was just like, just go down the line, become emotional, like emotionless about it and just do like the rule. You're not being mean, you're not punishing him, you're not doing it, you're just 
this is your lot and you are entitled to that and, and actually claim what you're entitled to. Um, and it very much shifted the dynamic for her when she realised that, oh, okay, so I'm the only one playing nice. Okay, right, you know. Um, so I see it a lot. And, and statistically in Australia, um, I think the age bracket, the, the age of women over 60 who are homeless is growing hugely. And they're women who have been home, like house, like homemakers for their whole life. They've gone through a divorce late in their life. They have no superannuation or very limited superannuation. They kind of get diddled on the divorce and they just don't have the assets or the, the finances to be able to support themselves. And, and it is a growing concern um, in Australia. And I'm sure it's, it's a fairly similar story worldwide um, in similar economies. Um, and like I know for myself, for example, um, you know, we talk, we talk about like the amount of money we spend on childcare and it really does when you look at it on paper, you're like it's actually cheap. It's better if it's um, like financially better if I just don't work and keep the kids home and not pay childcare because 50% right. of my monthly income is basically on childcare. Except that in Australia we have a thing called superannuation where there's like 12% paid into a super fund um, that accumulates over time that we get access to once we have retired. And so from a financial point of view, it's like it's not just what is immediate in front of me, it's in the future. And a lot of women, they miss out on that because they take years out to raise children where they're not earning any income, they're not contributing to their um, super funds, they're not having that accumulated savings, which has compound interest. So, of course, you're missing out on all of that. Um, and that's why a lot of women, yeah, they get to the end of their life, they they just don't have the same access to that accumulation of wealth. And I, I think we really need to change the story around what is acceptable um, for women, for mothers, for, um, you know, for that space and, and actually look at how we can change it. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Even uh, for myself, and I've, you know, I've, women a lot of times are the people who move to, um, like, I moved, I left my home in America, and I came to Austria to be with my husband, you know, and so a lot of times the women are the ones who are moving, they're the ones who stay home with the children yeah. or take part-time jobs. They yeah. don't put as much aside and yeah, and when I was in America, I was a single parent and it was just like, yeah, and I was the one being the nice person, oh, you know, and I really waited and then, yeah, and it's just, at the end of the day, women do need that support and guidance and, you know, just kind of a little nudge, like, you're not being mean, like exactly what you said, you're not being mean, you're being fair. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, and breaking that narrative around, like, it's the good girl thing. Like, nice girls don't do this sort of stuff. And what's what's disturbing is when you unpack what the nice girl is, it's actually, um, you know, like, you know, the person who's not being a nice girl, it's like nice girls don't demand what they're owed, insist on boundaries, get to say no, you know, and it's like, right, so just generally being a human being, Right. It's like not being a nice girl, like you're not being nice. And we've got to break that narrative. We've got to break the idea that asking for what you're worth, ask, asking for what you're entitled to 
not even just asking, demanding, you know, like you have a right to say, you know what, this is not okay. I, I actually, this is mine and I get to keep it. Or this is not okay, I don't want that and I have every right to say that I don't want that and right. having those boundaries without it coming back as, you know, that you're not being a nice person, that you're being a bitch, that you're mean, you know, those sorts of things, that you're being too masculine, Um and and I think in the in the sort of the spiritual world that I see a, I see a lot of very subtle, not and sometimes not so subtle misogyny and internalized misogyny being um, spiritualized through the discussion of masculine and feminine energies. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding around masculine or a conflation of feminine energy and the patriarchal definition of femininity, two very different things. Right. But they've spoken about as though they're the same thing. And I so I kind of see a lot of that where it's, it's, it's this internalised misogyny coming out of like, oh, don't do that because that's you're too much in your masculine and not enough in your feminine and you need to have this balance. And it's like uh, I'm not, that's not being masculine. That's being able to have some boundaries and that's, you know, that's important to be able to have that. And and who's to say that if I am doing something that's more masculine energy, that that is automatically an imbalance? Or a negative thing. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's supposed to be that we're supposed to have a balance between the masculine and feminine energies and, and to be able to use them, the dynamics of them. Right. But what I see a lot is where a woman is doing something that is, more in that masculine energy, that it's automatically assumed that, oh, you're too much in that space mm-hmm. by simply dipping into it at all. Right. And I think, well, hang on, if it's meant to be a balance, then dipping into it is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Right. right. So, and, and so I see that. So I think, you know, in that space, in the coaching world, in the mentoring world, in the spiritual, you know, world around those sorts of things, we need to be mindful that, those patriarchal ideas of what women should be and what their roles are and how they should behave and what they need to conform to, they filter through too. Like it's not immune. Those areas, those spaces aren't immune from that stuff. We see them as separate from society, but they're just an extension of it. And so within those spaces, there's still those issues that we still have to be mindful of and still call out. And, I mean, gosh, I'm not perfect in that space by no means, but I think we do need to be aware of that and and why it's important then when we are supporting women to emerge and to step into this new them, this new identity, that we are careful that we don't shame them mm-hmm. too quickly from because we're seeing their transformation through a filter that may or may not be a reasonable thing, you know, and so we have to be a bit careful. It might not be for us what they're doing, but we have to be mindful of what we see them stepping into um, as that we're not judging it through our own negative filters, our own negative beliefs and and blocks that we carry around. So, um, and that's why I suppose I get so passionate about the idea of the emerging woman and helping them get through that space is because, I see way too much judgment being thrown around, both in their own lives, but also even in this more self-help, you know, self-improvement, self-development space. There's still a lot of 
you know, how dare you behave in that certain way? And I think we need to support women to, yes, okay, sure, poor behaviour is poor behaviour, you need to call it out, but, um, you know, when it's something where it's like, look, it's not how I do it, but, you know, whatevs kind of thing, I think that's a reasonable attitude. To, I mean, maybe that's the Australian in me where I'm just like, yeah, you know, she'll be right, mate, kind of thing. But I think we need to, um, we need to create that space for women to emerge and understand that how they emerge isn't always going to be how we would like them to emerge. Right. Mm. Or even in a way that they would have foreseen themselves emerging sometimes. Completely. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not just something that has to do, I hate to say it, with a granular, it's like a minuscule thing and the microcosm of, or I'm sorry, the macro thing of society and how it affects these women as individuals. And so by changing them and by, so you're working on two different fronts then, kind of working on, I don't want to say smashing the patriarchy, but, you know, (laughs) um, bringing new ideas and new ways of, helping women to kind of stand in their in a new and emerging role yeah yeah absolutely and 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 yeah look I'm a bit loath to say smashing the patriarchy as well because I think it's kind of almost being turned into a comical kind of thing um but look I think there's some real validity in um as long as we understand that the patriarchy is not about like men as such it's about a, a structure Right. And women participate in the patriarchy as much as men do. And so it, it's not about like man versus woman kind of thing. Um, it's about people against a structure that is inherently um, discriminatory right. and, and, and not just against women. So I, I think we, you know, we need to, I think we do need to kind of dismantle it um, to some extent or at least challenge the aspects of it that aren't working for everyone. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's for me it's, I probably don't have such a global, like, the, the, that big space. I, I do I kind of have that more if I can have a ripple effect out, that's where change happens. I, I come from a teaching background. I have students in front of me three days a week and I, you know, that whole corny saying of like you know they're the future it's like well they kind of are Mm -hmm. what ideas they bring to their adult life and therefore pass on to their children will ultimately shape whatever the society is if they simply bring through the same ideas as before that it will continue what what is now will continue um so not that I'm about indoctrinating kids or anything like that but Having that influence as a you know, and as a mother of children as well, like knowing the impact that what ideas come through this younger generation will ultimately be what defines society as a whole. So um, yeah, I think there is that, and I do see that as an important element of the work that I do, which is that there is a ripple effect. I'm helping women because. Women have a huge influence on their children. Women have a huge influence on their communities and around and with the women around them as well. Um, we are, I think, generally speaking, women connect with more women more frequently. 
whether that's because of a, a natural biological tendency or whether that's because of a patriarchal structure that that's kind of, you know, what we do, actually doesn't matter. It's just that that's, that's what it is. And so it means that they can have a huge influence on their community and the ideas that are out there. And if we can help women become in, truly empowered, and I don't mean like wanky self-development empowered, I mean like empowered where they're in their power and they are able to be, you know, courageous and confident in what they believe and how they want to act and, and to be able to put that out there, whether it's just in their home or whether it is in a broader context, that that's a powerful and exciting place to be. And that is also then this emerging woman in that bigger context of where women and the role that they play in society can fit as well. So, yes, I do get a little bit ranty and excited about that kind of stuff because mm -hmm. I immediately go, oh, the implications. <laughs> but, yeah, I get excited. Oh, yeah, but it's exciting stuff because, like you were saying, it's, it's exactly that. Like, I've been talking about things like we are the elders right now. We're the ones who are, you know, creating these systems or, you know, changing them to be more flexible and, and more, um, well, less discriminatory, more open, more friendly towards everybody in society instead of being in these rigid, solid dogmas of the past yeah. so yeah, yeah absolutely with with being a teacher and with being a parent you're on the front lines of really having space to influence the next generation and beyond mm. yeah. yeah and you do a lot of leading by example don't you yes I do mainly because I, I honestly don't feel I can be um, genuine in teaching something if I'm not doing it myself. Um, and, and so, and that can be challenging sometimes as well because none of us are perfect. So there are times where, and I think, I think it might have even been you that posted something earlier this morning about when you're, when you're giving advice and all of a sudden you real, like you realise that the advice is what you, and, <laughs> and I was like, all the time that happens to me all the time and I, I honestly think that sometimes I get clients specifically so that I hear the message that they need to hear because there'll be like it, and it's it's freakishly relevant every time even when I'm working with a long-term client and like from week to week what we're talking about changes changes and shifts it's it's so weird how it mirrors what I need to hear at that time so um so yeah I do I do really um I think it's really the only way that you can lead is is through that example of you know, I can't ask someone to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself right. um and uh, it's, it's easy to say oh you should do this or you should do that like we do it all the time oh you should do this but ask yourself if you were in that situation, would you do that? Because it's not always the same. So mm -hmm. I do, I do try and, and, and I think because I'm a storyteller, I'm a natural storyteller, I, I will tell all sorts of anecdotes and, you know, oh, there was this one person and this thing and I read an article about, that's how I teach, I suppose, as well. So I think the easiest way that you can legitimise what you're suggesting or, you know, guiding someone through is to kind of go, well, 
this is something I'm doing myself. This is the result that I'm getting from it. Like this is a, it's not just a, a thought bubble. This is actually something that I'm testing and trialing myself and these are the outcomes. Or I tried that myself. It didn't work for me. But here's the things that I learned from that um, and why it might actually still work for you because we're different people. So I can, I think talking from experience of something is a really powerful place and it also, again, empowers the woman, that emerging woman, to then talk from her experience and to validate her experience of her life and her transformation um, so that she doesn't feel like she knows nothing and I'm the keeper of all knowledge, which I think is a terrible dynamic to have. Um, and, and so it, 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 it empowers her to really take charge so that what she emerges as is truly her and not just another version of someone else's influence. Right. Yeah, I can see how that would be really, really important. Yeah. So what's this challenge you're doing? Like you have a five-day challenge. Um, will people who, who watch this on a replay or something still be able to get into the five-day challenges? Yes. So on the 24th of November is when we're starting. Okay. Um, and um, so they can, they can sign up for it and I will um, be doing lives in my group and sending out emails as well. So anyone who joins late, um, if they sign up through the link, would still they can still get the emails. And I always set it up so that you know if they joined um, on say the Wednesday kind of thing, then the Wednesday will have well this is today's you know go into the group and this is today's little activity. And here are the links to the videos from the previous. Okay. Um, days so they would still have access to those I, I suppose the the benefit of course is is being there live um I'm very much about the coaching like I'm very much like ask me questions like I can you know that kind of thing so it's it's always the best space to be in but um if they do join late then they can always email if they have questions or, or go on to the Facebook lives and and you know do a sort of hashtag replay this is my question and 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 get that feedback as well Absolutely. Oh, that's cool. So they have access to coaching with you during the five-day challenge. Yes. Oh. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. But it's not just a here's something to go and do, go and do it. Um, mm-hmm. It will be a bit of a live around the concept that, that we're exploring on each day around the emerging. You know, it's, so she is emerging and it is really around the, the elements that I kind of feel are relevant to that process. Um, with a little bit of an activity for each of them but also that sort of coaching because I think the appeal for this challenge to people will be the recognition of themselves in that process of, yes, that's me, I'm transforming, yes, that's me, I'm going through this big change right now. That, you know, like, and so being able to have those conversations, I think they're transformational conversations that we can have, yeah. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. And and like we were talking about earlier, just having that support or being able to kind of hash it out with somebody as they're working on it. And then that can lead to a deeper understanding of themselves and then deeper understanding of your work. Yes. And what it's like to work with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And before, I think before we, we started recording, we were talking about like busting through um, blocks that people have towards really kind of like, is that important for people to be able to like recognize and deal with their blocks before they can fully appreciate themselves or emerge? Um, short answer, yes. I think to really fully be able to step into ourselves, um, being able to remove some of the blocks that um, prevent that um, is really important. I think, though, it's important to also know that it is always a process. I mean, I've had quite a few creatrix breakthroughs myself, like big clearing out sessions where I've worked with another transmologist. We've gone through They've analysed my words and, and really come up with what the blocks are and we've cleared a whole heap and, and I do regular kind of checkups from the neck up kind of thing with other sister transmologists to there'll be something that will pop up like, ooh, there's a block, right, need to get that one gone. So we, we do that consistently and regularly. But um, for me, like I, I have um, just... Um, teamed up with another transformologist who um, she's practising um, the, the whole process of, of doing a creatrix from the very start through the pre-assessment, through the identification of all the blocks, through the whole thing, plus, of course, then the actual um, creatrix. And I signed up. I was like, yes, I want to have a full breakthrough because I know that at the moment I'm in a really big tra like transition phase um, and I'm very aware that there are actually a whole heap of blocks that are being triggered because I'm in such a new place, a new space to what I've ever been in before that all of a sudden there's this stuff. I'm like, oh, interesting. Didn't know that one was there <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and some where you just, you know there's something but you can't even put your finger on it, which is the benefit of working with someone else. Um, and, and I tend to... I tend to over-intellectualise a block. So, um, and we, we all do it. We all go, oh, what's the block? Oh, well, I'm feeling this thing. So I'm feeling, you know, a bit frightened about, you know, like what happens if I, I actually achieve this? So it must be fear of success. And the problem with creatrixing something like that, um, if it's not your words, if, if what you're saying initially was, oh, I'm feeling a bit scared and I'm worried things will go well, so it must be a fear of success, that's not the block. Fear of success is the intellectualised version of the block that you've cleaned up and polished up and put out there. The block is, based on your words, scared of actually achieving something or scared of actually, you know, that, they're the words. Now, it might sound really messy and clunky, like, oh, but that's really, but they're the words you use. Right. Not, and, and so a good, good example um, actually for myself personally, we were talking about a block and it was about being mediocre. Okay. Except that when she dug in and she's like, so tell me a little bit more about that and I started talking about what I meant and how it related and all that kind of thing and what it came down to is like, yeah, so when you started talking about being a loser, that's when you actually got animated. Now, I would never, if someone said, oh, you're, you have a block because you, you're scared that you're a loser, I'd be like, no, no, I don't. I'm like, I don't think I'm a loser because I don't consciously think that. Right. But that's the point. 
And so the cleaned up version is, oh, you know, I'm a bit worried that maybe I might be a bit, you know, mediocre. It might mean that I'm mediocre if I don't achieve something. But that's the intellectualised version. So there's a real benefit from working with another person because they can call you on your own bullshit about it and go, yeah, but that's not what you said. You said this. You said something very different. That's the block that we're going to work on. Um, And because we get embarrassed, we're like, how could I be held back by thinking I'm a loser surely it's something more fancy like being mediocre right <laughs> but it's not it's just not we're not that sophisticated we'd like to think we are but we're not so um so going through that process so I'm clearing I'm gearing up to have a massive clear out um we're compiling the list we're analyzing we're digging in to make sure that we've got the absolute precise word that's actually the block um and I'm really excited because I know that it's going to shift so much so quickly Um, and we're always working on it so when it comes to working with clients myself I know that I can get a faster result for them with Creatrix and then mentoring them afterwards because all of that stuff that you fight yourself on that you're not even conscious of that you hold yourself back it makes it hard for you to take advice from people it makes it hard to even if you consciously go, right, so the smart thing to do would be this, but if unconsciously you've got a block that says don't do that thing, that's where people go, I don't know, I know what I should be doing but I'm just not doing it. Mm-hmm. Why is that? It's like because unconsciously there's a reason. doesn't make sense to you on a conscious level but unconsciously there's a reason why doing that thing that you know you need to do in order to be successful is a bad idea. Right. If you can clear that belief and it might be something like, you know, it might be something like fear of rejection or, you know, fear of success, or it could be a more nitty-gritty kind of phrasing of that. Whatever it is, if you've got that block, I can sit here, I could be a billionaire coach person saying, this is how you make like a trillion dollars in 24 hours and have a proven method that totally works. But if you've got a whole of blocks that says that's not possible, it's not going to happen. I can, I could literally give you all my information for free. You're still not going to be successful. Right. It's just because you're blocking it. And we all do it. We've all had those moments where we're like, I'm not quite doing the thing that my coach told me to do or I'm not quite doing the thing that I know is going to get me the result. I'm sort of doing it, but I'm not really doing it. We've all had those moments. Mm-hmm. Blocks. And so clearing those blocks means we can move faster. I can still get amazing results for my clients without create tricks beforehand and I, I can move them and get them, you know, stuff happening. That's why the course is so successful and women are getting huge transformation with it in and of itself. But I also know that if you want the fastest result, then, yeah, clear blocks first and then move on. So for an emerging woman, she'll emerge regardless. But how quickly that process is and how painless or painful that process is will be very much dependent on what blocks she might be carrying around, what limiting beliefs she might be carrying around that tells her unconsciously what she is and isn't allowed to be doing. Right, right. Mm. So it's a little bit more pointed than therapy where you're not going to be running around. And I don't want to say it in, in a bad way because I really appreciate therapy, but it just feels like sometimes you run around the same issues for a while and don't really make any traction. 
Yeah, and and I agree. Like I, I, I never put down any other therapy or process that or modality that anyone um, uses. And and the like the reality is they all get a result of right. some sort. Yeah. So so you know if if they didn't, no one would be you know, talking right. about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so it's like it works. I'm not saying that, but yeah, I think for me, and particularly when I've had blocks that relate to very traumatic experiences. Um, that's where Creatrix, like it really does, because I only need to hear the story once. I do the pre-assessment with my client and that's where everything gets poured out and then I never talk to them about that experience ever again. In fact, I don't even talk to them about what they've shared with me when we do the initial kind of digging up session um, because I don't need to know the, the details as such. I need to know the words that they use. I need to know what language lights up the bit in their brain that causes them to feel a response. Right. That's what I need to focus in on. So it, it's it's powerful in that sense because yeah, especially women who've come to me where they they have a lot of trauma, it's been really important that they've not had to then sit down for session after session after session talking about and re-traumatising themselves, um, you know, to, to get a result. So, yeah, it's a, it's that's one thing that I do think really does help it stand out in that sense. Yeah, I only need to hear it once and and then that's okay. it. Yeah, the last time, yeah, so I kind of feel like it's the last time you ever have to tell your story kind of thing and I feel that that's such a powerful thing for women um, to be able to go, great, because I'm kind of over telling my story kind of thing. Yeah, it's exhausting. Right, and that's a good tagline. It's the last time you'll ever have to tell that story, you know, yeah. then you're helping them to create a new story. Yes. So yeah. that that they find themselves in, in a much better place within themselves. Yeah. 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 So that's absolutely beautiful so I think we're gonna wrap up and I really like you're you've got so much passion and so much energy and so much you know to share with not only the people that you work with but with a larger you know to try and change society with this I think it's fabulous so how does somebody get a hold of you or um I did share your five-day challenge on the spiritual business spotlight page and if they wanted to talk to you, what, how would they find you on that? Uh, so probably the easiest way would be to, um, <clears throat> on my Facebook business page, they can click and book a, a short discovery call if they wanted to, just a 15-minute session, or if they're wanting to kind of go, okay, well, I just want to test out working with you, um, then, then that's, or they can just message me through that business page as well and I can reply to that. That's, that's easy enough. Um, yeah, that's probably the easiest place to get me. And then I can always set up um, other options if they want to sort of take it off Facebook and into a different space through email or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a good idea too because sometimes I know people are not, sometimes Facebook is a little interesting. So we'll, we'll just yeah. do it that way. Yeah. Um, and I will um, include all of your links and everything so that people can access find access to email you or to reach out via chat on Facebook. So, right. 
Yay, thank you so much. I'm so happy and excited. We finally got through. We were going to meet last week, and then your Zoom wasn't working, and then today my computer was just bogged down, and we were like, oh, my gosh, how is this going to work? So I'm glad it worked. Yay, we came through in the end. <laughs> so thank you so much, Ari. I appreciate thank your time you. and Thanks your energy you. and, yes, everything. So. All right. Thanks. And thank you again, everyone, for tuning in to this week's Spiritual Business Spotlight Podcast. 